the next episode of Vinyl <laughs> and we got two amazing guests today. We got Joey Securoli and Jeffrey Jarvis. Joey is the lead singer and guitar player for Kindo, also plays bass, music producer, sound engineer. Jeffrey Jarvis is the bass player for Kindo also plays guitar and is also a songwriter and we are pumped to have them on today thank you for having us man appreciate you both yeah thank you guys and we thank you for your time how how are you guys doing tonight i'm doing good i just put my i just uh put my little boy down for a nap um i'm a new dad yeah that's congratulations thank you nothing but adventure uh getting a lot of sleep i assume uh you know <laughs> i'm actually starting to get some again uh but at first yeah it was a fever dream of insomnia and yeah not much sleep <laughs> happening for sure <laughs> i'm doing well thank you how about you guys i mean another beautiful day in ohio can't complain nice yeah very and nice I, you, I, you guys getting roasted out there as well it's been about in the 90s basically the past five days in a row here yep same here i actually was just in south carolina for a wedding so it's cool up here compared to where i just came from no doubt wow i'm excited because we were talking about this before we started recording but we are the keeper of the great lakes right now we got a couple buffalo boys i'm in cleveland new york city right now right yeah, but the yeah, roots, yeah. Clep, the roots. That's yeah, right, the yeah. roots. Born, <laughs> the born, and Lake raised, Erie. born and raised on Lake Erie. That's right. <laughs> so let, let's get into it. So both of you two are from Buffalo or Buffalo area, technically Tonawanda, right? North Tonawanda, yep. Yes, yeah, from okay. North Tonawanda. I'm from like the Amherst area, but both north towns of Buffalo. Yeah. Have you been? I have not. I it's been one thing I've been bugging my fiance about, and you're probably not going to believe me, but yeah, I, I want to go to Buffalo. I want to go to a Bills game. I want to go to a Sabres game. <laughs> Definitely do it. It's a it's a cultural experience, and you know Buffalo's definitely had a second. Uh, what is it? A renaissance of sorts. Uh, basically, as soon as Jeff and I left Buffalo for New York, Buffalo started getting cool. <laughs> Um, so I don't know what that means, but whatever <laughs> it's, you'll, you would enjoy it. It's not that cool. I mean, it's, it's getting, it's definitely like different though than when we were growing up, it was kind of a, a waste hole. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's a uh, weird being from, oh, you meet a lot of people being from Buffalo. They're all over the place. A lot of people leave, um, down in, uh, here in New York, Joey's not actually too far. Uh, in Pennsylvania, but there's a huge group of Buffalonian root people here. Well, Rodney, who plays profession for Kindo, he he always says like he feels like he's from Buffalo. He's from the Bronx because he knows so many Buffalo musicians that are here. There's a lot of Buffalo expats all over the country, as I've found in my travels. They kind of just band together. 
uh it's it's really fascinating there's always like buffalo bars in in almost every major city mm -hmm. like buffalo bills bars or sabers bars and i don't know there's a distinct thing about it i can't quite put it into words but it's a thing it's a community i mean i honestly do feel that from cleveland as well and we're in this kind of renaissance phase where it's like hey look at the city chicago that can actually like function in the cold months let's like try to copy them and do something similar and utilize the water of the great lake that we have mm -hmm. uh so so but but it's been really cool to i don't know see people like want to come here and i've met a lot of cool people from buffalo as well actually i think my browns play the buffalo bills this year in buffalo so there's my oh, excuse good. well yeah maybe that's the bills game you go to bada bing club yeah. book it book it my yeah. my fiance has also never been to an nfl game and she's been bugging me to take her to one because i don't know me personally i'm more like live baseball live hockey live basketball football i'm just nice and cozy watching it on tv so maybe that'll be the move i mean i think i think a bills game is is a very unique kind of nfl experience just because it's also such a cultural experience uh it's mm -hmm. just like a carnival it's like a circus it's uh <laughs> yeah it's, it's it's the one to do <laughs> you're talking me into it yep yep so then sure. how how long have you guys uh been posted up in new york then I've I been moved. here 11 years. Sorry, Joe. You're good. You're, you're good. Yeah. And I had moved to New York 12 years ago, uh, 13, 13 or 12 at this point. And then I recently moved to Bristol, Pennsylvania, which is about an hour 20 outside of the city. Okay. Um, just south of the city. It's basically on the border of New Jersey, but on the Pennsylvania side of the Delaware River, um, 30 minutes north of Philly. Um, and my wife and I moved here, you know, we found out we were pregnant last summer and her family's from this area. Um, and I knew if we moved here, I would still have access to the city. You know, I've still done a lot of work in the city. Um, and so that was, I'm kind of getting the best of both worlds in that sense, getting the help from the family with the boy now. Um, and it's great to be close to family as well as, you know, having a little more space to just like spread out and live, you know, that was, uh, that was a big piece of it. The pandemic, we were all, uh, locked in our tiny apartments and, and Kate and I are very like free spirited people. And so we never really cohabitated so intensely before. Um, <laughs> I know mm -hmm. a lot of couples and marriages didn't make it through and, and, you know, I understand that, you know, I'm grateful that Kate and I were able to navigate each other, but it was incredibly challenging and not an <laughs> optimal way to for us to be together you know like we need space from each other as well to appreciate each other mm -hmm. yeah i had a hunch that that move to bristol might have coincided with your newborn <laughs> yeah yeah definitely was like the final catalyst i mean we were looking before we were pregnant um just because you know, I was pretty convinced New the New York that I moved to was never coming back. Mm -hmm. um, and I kind of think the new one's kind of stupid and I don't want to like live there anymore. Um, but Fair I still enough. love it. Yeah, whatever. I still love it. I It's just, uh, it's bittersweet. A lot of PTSD. Um, new York is a very uh, intense place to live, uh, especially during a pandemic. And so yeah. that was... Uh, you know, that was about it. I think I just 
I had it after that. It's like, I don't know. I, I lost my studio. Uh, like I was saying uh, before, lost a lot of things. And um, yeah, it was time. We were both, we both felt like it was time. So bittersweet. Okay. Love it. I always love going back. Love going back. But um, yeah, end of an era. It's crazy. I don't know if you can tell, but speaking of space, this is just about four feet. So I can't even stand up. This is, this is my bed right here. I'm underneath my bed. <laughs> okay. The, the loft bed, and I have my studio here. So you have to be really clever with space. Um, I I live by myself. Well, I have roommates, but um, just you know, essentially myself, and um, I enjoy it. I don't need much space, but uh, it's you know gets cramped. The ladies over, you know. That's for sure. I was I was thinking about how you know when I was single before I met Kate. I had a pretty similar setup to what Jeff had. I had like, uh, I had a lofted bed. I put a futon under it. I had two rooms, which is like literally like two rooms that were pretty tiny. One of them was like Jeff has set up. And then my studio was like the other room, but it wasn't like a big room. But I feel like I had everything I needed. Like I didn't really need more than that mm -hmm. as a single guy. And then like you meet a lady and you know, it just all goes out the window. So where does all this stuff come from? <laughs> that that simple life is, uh, you know, goes away <laughs> to a degree. <laughs> unless, you know, unless she's totally into it. Uh, but mm, not so much. You have a room dedicated. <laughs> yeah, and I'm glad, I'm glad now I have like, in this new place, like we're renting a house and the upstairs, this is my studio. And, uh, you know, since the boy came, I also sleep up here. Um, Kate and I sleep in shifts and, uh, it's nice. I feel like, you know, it's like a taste of that single life again, just like in the second floor of my own house. It's really funny. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Love it. That's awesome. Okay. So let's, let's go all the way to the beginning so you both grew up in the buffalo area when did you i guess first discovered that you wanted to play an instrument what was your first experience you know playing in a band all of it who wants to go I, first i guess i'll go I, i'll go i'll it's convoluted because like well joey and i met at uh a church when we were kids okay. and that was uh for definitely for both of us a big catalyst in in being in bands and uh, joey was joey's a couple years older than me um so you know like when you're in high school that really matters and mm -hmm. yeah. so he he was always in a couple really great bands one of the biggest bands adelaide was one of my favorite bands um and all of my best friends too but it's wild and that church specifically was very music center and very arts arts. We was very just a, a unique happening. Very lucky for you know outcasts like us to. It was really fun. So we, you know, Joey and I both separately got involved in music. Before that, I started playing. Mm -hmm. when I was tw uh, well, my first instrument was trumpet. It was in sixth grade, but I fainted and they found like a blood vessel that could turn into an aneurysm. So they're like, no more trumpet. Damn. So my mom was like, uh, you want to try playing guitar? I was like, yeah. So she hired this guy, George Paleo, who's uh, every year, they stopped nominating him. Uh, 
because he kept winning best guitar player in Buffalo, but he's great. Um, and then uh, it's just, it was once I started going to the track, kind of live next door to this church. And um, I was just always there, always around music. All my friends were always playing music. And I guess I never really, I never really had another plan. It's just, I remember being, um, uh, I guess jealous, but uh, I remember talking to Mike Rafferty, Joey. Was it, Mike was in one of his bands with Joey, and they were great. There's Coleman Crowley Family Singers, and they were like a they're getting plates. They're starting. To, they're young too, like seventeen. And I was like, man, that's all I want to do is be in a band. And I remember talking to Mike, and he's kind of like, yeah, whatever, I don't care. And uh, I asked him, I was like, do you know, like, are you thankful for what you have? Like, that's really such a special thing. And he a rare uh moment of sincerity he was like yes he's like yeah i do that's a really good point um and uh then i just we grew up and then we became the same age and then we became in the same band <laughs> fast forward um so it, you have this day and age right but it, there are like 15 million bands that came out of this one church and we all played in these bands with each other this and age being adjacent to that and mm -hmm. kindo came from that so it kind of just bleeds together kindo was like the newest iteration and um we just kept going so jeff did you play in this day and age as well no i did not okay because joey you did not play guitar in that band you played bass correct right right joey's a fantastic bass player he's uh uh, I learned how to play bass from watching him. Actually, uh, believe it or not, I there were his band Adelaide. He, when you left to go to California, uh, somehow like the singer wanted to start playing the songs again and asked if I would play. And I was like, uh, yeah. And it was so he's a really, really good, good, very good bass player. And for the listeners to put a timeline on this, this is 2005, right? When you joined this day and age, Joey. Yeah, 2005, 2004 is probably when I started talking to Steve. I think there was about a year and a half. We, I wrote uh, The Bell and the Hammer with them. Uh, we recorded that together. Uh, it wasn't too long after it released that uh, the singer stepped down and, and the project kind of pivoted and turned into Kindo. Uh, Jeff. Jeff and uh, Jeff here joined us uh, on the bass shortly after that. And uh, yeah, it was... Um, at first, it, it all was just Steve's dad, together. right? At first, like you didn't really have a. a, a we didn't have a bass player before. We were just writing. Um, yeah, we didn't have we didn't really have a bass player. I knew I wanted to kind of give a go at singing and playing guitar, um, which was which wild. Really... It was a very strange move. It makes sense to us now, but at the time, it was like Joey's a bass player, and we didn't really hear him sing. Hmm. And then he has this golden, beautiful baby boy voice, and he's a badass guitar player. And it's like okay giddy up <laughs> you know it's Bert. funny when you're when you're doing it it didn't feel that way for me i was nothing but insecure about what i was doing um and probably like a, for way too long it just felt like i had no business uh playing those roles but but here i am now it's too late to go back we still have <laughs> no business yeah that. so then 2006 and I guess at that time, it wasn't just Kindo. It was the reign of Kindo. That's when you formed it. And essentially, you just traded Jeff's. 
Jeff Martin goes out. Jeff Jarvis comes in. And mm-hmm. Jeff, Jeff Martin, we lived about a mile away from each other, and we would always carpool with each other, and uh, the Jeffs always ride together. <laughs> that was a phrase. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was in Jeff's wedding. He's an awesome guy. Very cool. So then you guys basically switch, and then Joey's playing guitar, Jeff's playing bass, and then obviously since Jeff Martin wasn't in Kindo, that's what when you start singing right joey that's right yeah we started rehearsing and writing in my mom's basement um and yeah it was really cold small it was was so small it was just a tiny little corner of it and it was the winter it was in the winter it was freezing i remember like there wasn't really heat down there we just had like space heaters but you know a great lakes winter it's it's not warm um but we just yeah, the amps kept us warm. We just love, you know, we just loved it and uh, couldn't couldn't imagine doing anything else with our time. Uh, and for a long time, that has been the case. Um, it's evolved, obviously, over the years. Um, life is strange and dynamic and unpredictable. But absolutely, this project, <laughs> this project has come to mean so much to so many people. And I'm, you know, one of the strangest phenomenon that's super humbling still to this day. Um, I started playing bass in this uh, in this group called Remember Jones last year, and I'm more, I'm the oldest guy in the group, um, kind of like the younger. It's kind of like the younger two generations, like beneath me. Uh, they call that I'm playing. Uncle Joe. <laughs> no, they don't call me Uncle Joe, but uh, should make them. Yeah, I should force them to do that. But um, what was blown, what blew me away is that you know a couple of the members couple of these guys like at first didn't really realize that i was in kendo but once they found i was like they were huge kendo fans and it kind of threw them for a loop um and always throws me for a loop but in a positive way it's 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 even still pretty consistently no matter what the generation is you know uh i'm finding people who are like oh man like i love your music or your music means so much to me and it's just so humbling and just mind-blowing um that this music still you know well, I'm sure we'll get into it, but like I've I've kind of had a step back from it for for the past year and a half, two years, and um, you know, really the pandemic and kind of re revisiting it now, realizing like, man, this thing is just so much bigger than any of us, and I now feel I feel this like deep steward role, uh, like a protector of it almost, like it's mm-hmm. not it's not something that. I don't know. It's not, it's special to me. And I, I don't just use that word steward today, Joey. I was talking with Rock and I used that phrase and Stuart talking about Kendo. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. Um, synchronicity. Yeah. It's a phenomenon, you know, this, this, this happening. And um, we, I was talking to Jeff yesterday, like we're not, we, we couldn't even really tell you like how, how it happened. But uh, but it's just a very special. It's thing all to ridiculous, be a actually. How yeah. it happened. It's the, the biggest thing that happened to us was we're we're about to break up uh, just because the, we there was we we're going on tour and no one cared about it. like so the, I think the bands liked us, but like they were like uh, pop punk like not our crowd, and we just we couldn't afford it. It was just done. So uh, what year are you talking? Uh, well, this was just a. I guess 2011 was it that late okay no no because no, by 11 i was in new york city already um, this is what happens came out what 12 
no, no, uh, no. 2010. Okay, yeah, so this is before that then. So we're yeah. talking 2009. It's like 2009, I think. Yeah, I'm bad. Okay. So sorry, guys. You might know way more than. So anyway, uh, uh, it was done, and uh, you know, cool. And then, uh, <laughs> Steve's dad sent an email to Rob from Candy Rat. Basically, the email said, I think you'd like my son's band <laughs> and uh, sent him uh, some some it was breathe again, which is like not a, a representation of what we normally do. And it was like a weird lyric video that we didn't make. And like, this is my son's, <laughs> so this be, is my son's band. I think you would like it. So to be and fair, I don't think any of our music is, is a representation of what we normally do. I guess so. <laughs> I mean, yes. But uh, so. Then uh, apparently Rob, okay, he enjoyed it, and then we started. He started. We started talking, and then he's like, "Let's do some. Um, I want to fund your next record." And we went through that and did some YouTube videos. And then, like, yeah, we'll do YouTube video. That's a big thing right now. That's that's right. Two thousand nine, because the two thousand eight is when uh, YouTube came out really. And then we did the YouTube videos and did really well. And then randomly got a call from these promoters in Brazil that were like, we want to bring you down here. Like, what? Uh, <laughs> and we did, and they went great. And we're like, where's, at this point, we didn't have any fans coming to our shows in the States. Where was confusing. It was like, what the heck? We went to Japan as well, but that was because of um, the label we were on, their affiliate. It's all a weird, messy accident that we had barely any intention and we uh, couldn't have, if it were up to us, this band would not exist in our hands. This band wouldn't exist. Uh, we just we just loved doing it, and then we just kept finding ways to do it. That's really the how I could best explain my experience of this band. Hmm. Yeah, it was just important to keep going, even you know when it felt bleak. I don't know. There was just there's always been something about it. You know, even as even as recently as like the past few months, you know, like I'm going through that, like, is this, is this it for me? Like, is this where I get off the train? And it's weird. I just can't get off of it. It's weird. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm surprised that you two start off by calling it a project. Cause like, to me, I'm like, this is more than a project. Like, this is a sweet band. Like the music's awesome. Like it's a band, like, I mean, it's all, it's a lot yeah. of things, you know, it's, it's a band, mm -hmm. it is a project, it's a phenomenon. Uh, that's probably a more accurate word for it. Yeah, um, but, and we're living the experience, right? I love Paul McCartney, and I love listening to interviews with him, and he's so good at being Paul McCartney. <laughs> How could you be, what do you do if you're that? And he has such a, a, a grounded perspective, like he's as like, now he's a fan of the Beatles. It's so long ago. It, all of those records all the be they broke up before anyone was 30 years old in that band yeah crazy you know? to think about and supposed to, for him it's like it's 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 50 million lifetimes ago um and it, it's on we're as good as the beatles i'm comparing us uh but that you know this has been 16 years now plus all the bands and iterations we've been in before that that it's just kind of like um it all bleeds together and i, I can't believe we're, I just feel lucky to be doing that the music people enjoy the music and that we can still do it. It's being able to do the music, but I mean, like 
there has to be, and you guys have just kind of summed it all up in the past couple minutes of describing it, but the longevity of it all and to be able to look back at those memories and to look back at, I don't know, accomplishing those ups and downs as uh, you both have just described. Uh, so I really love seeing that. Like, like that's just a, it's just a really cool part of just a band in itself and continuing to keep the project going. So I commend you both for doing that. And, and no, yeah. That's yeah. Not good. I was no. thinking about uh, the, the, the uh, Abbey Road, the, the cover, you know, the iconic cover. Yeah. Like, like they, so that, that where that was is just across the street from Apple Studios where they were recording. And they're like, hey, we need to do some pictures real quick. They were recording. Let's just go outside. And they're like, okay, let's walk across the street. That's how that came about. It was haphazard. It was just, we need something. And it becomes this iconic thing. And I even when I like, uh, Paul talks about stuff like that. And can you imagine if that were you? Like, you just like, oh, I'm just going to take a picture crossing the street. And then there's all this lore. Like, it, it's, it becomes a different thing. And that's the uh, uh, fascinating thing in, um, about music. Once once we make it, whoop, it's it's something. So it's it's no longer ours, you know. It's 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 everyone else's. But I wish I wrote Beatles songs. I'd like to have that. <laughs> You'd have a much what taller bunk all? bed. You'd have a much taller bunk <laughs> bed if you wrote Beatles songs. Taller bunk. <laughs> I can have as tall as I want. Maybe wider too. You could have tears. <laughs> yeah. Levels, Jerry. You'd have levels. Yeah. I could have a real Saturn. Yeah. You yeah. You could own part of the land on Saturn. Yeah, there was no land on Saturn. No. Don't doesn't matter. You gotta own it anyway. No, no, Saturn's a gas planet. The surface of Saturn is solid. Is it? Uh, the ring is gas, right? There is no surface. There's no surface of Saturn. It's, it's a gas. You know, if you put it in the, um, if there was an ocean big enough, it would. Oh, float. I'm getting, a, I'm getting it confused with Mars. That's why. <laughs> There's a lot of rings Earth. around Mars. Yeah, yeah. Well, if you want it, then you should have put a ring on it. So I think our biggest influence in Kindle was Katy Perry. Really? Oh, yes. No. no <laughs> okay. No. no, but you'd be surprised. You'd be surprised at how much I enjoyed her. But, um, yeah, she she a good artist. I saw her in 2012 on that uh California Girls tour randomly in Cleveland. Oh, that would be the one I would love to see. I saw her randomly. My friend Liz and I. Yeah, Liz, we. <laughs> It was like a few years ago, her friend was in town and she was going to see Katy Perry at uh, uh, Madison Square Garden. And we were like, what if there's tickets? And there were like $12 tickets that people were just trying to get rid of. So we went that day out. That was pretty cool. <laughs> that is. Shout out to Katy Perry. All right. So you mentioned how you guys have played over in Japan. I can't even imagine where else you guys have played at. What, is, what is one place... For, for both of you that just sticks out as whether it be the coolest place or coolest venue that you've ever played at well i mean japan one definitely one. is one of the coolest places that i've ever gotten to play um but it, you know brazil in a totally different way was was also a mind-blowing experience so uh yeah it's really hard to say it's hard at this point in like my music playing career it's hard to like hone in on one 
particular experience. Um, There's one venue that we should remember, though, because no one ever came to this show, but it was the best venue. It was that one in Burlington. What was it called? Remember Higher Ground? Burlington, Vermont? Yes. Okay. And like, it was a great venue. They would catering. They just took care of the bands. But like, you know, we would get like 15 people coming through, but they were always happy we were there. That's not, that's a very strange thing. I remember those things a lot. Um, but, yeah, uh, but that's, I think the, the culture of Japan, uh, just being in such a different feeling place, uh, definitely made an impression on me. I think about that a lot. And Brazil in a very different way. But Japan was the first, like, very foreign experience that I had as a very young person in my formative, you know, years of, of, the, of my career. And so that, that will, I think, always have a special place in my heart. Tokyo. Um, what did we play? We even played in Kyoto. Um, we did not play Kyoto. No, we, no, we stayed in Kyoto. Yeah, we went there. Um, That's right. We went yeah. there and checked out the temples in Kyoto. Um, Very cool. So many. That's crazy. Um, we've played on the moon. No, and apparently we were we booked not. to play on Saturn. Too. <laughs> not sure. Yeah. The surface of Saturn. On the surface on the, of on the, Saturn. On the, on the solid surface of Saturn. <laughs> no. So wait, have uh, you guys seen us live? Or you were about to, you said? So I had tickets for the 2020 show in Akron. Mm. And obviously that got canceled due to COVID. And I was I couldn't go to, like, you guys had a date scheduled for 2021 i guess that show never ended up happening but i wouldn't have been able to go to it anyways i can't remember what would have prevented me from going but bottom line was i wasn't going to be able to go so i've actually not seen y'all play live yet and that is an item on my bucket list (laughs) pressure's on now yep it is it's that's interesting um so joey you were talking about earlier about remember jones i saw you post like a bunch of tour dates for for them like on your instagram i wasn't sure i was like is joey doing like a new solo project or is he just promoting this or what is this so you're playing bass in that band you come i believe one of those dates is near detroit is it not was it ferndale yes ferndale michigan that's a suburb of detroit so I think that may have gotten canceled. A lot of the dates on this tour, uh, the project, that, that band's actually in the middle of a tour. I'm actually home for a week uh, during a stretch of the dates off. Just so I can okay. be with my boy and um, and try and get some uh, some other work done. Um, wow, so we really caught you at the right time. <laughs> no, truly, this was uh, this was kind of an ideal time. I'm, uh, I think that gig is canceled, the one, the one in Michigan. I don't know if it's announced. I'm not bummer. Sure. That's the one near me. <laughs> I know it's a, it's a bummer. It's a really fun show. It's like a I describe it as a it's like a two hour, like, coked out Vegas road show, nonstop. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, def- definitely like very challenging. Uh, it's just kind of like press press the right buttons for me, and I think the best part of that project is that I'm not in charge of it, um, which is like so freeing. Nice. It was, I got part it, of my in ear stuck in my ear. Oh, that's no good. <laughs> no, it's all the way back there. No good. Yeah. Yeah, you can't catch it. It's a it's a really uh it's a really fun show. But maybe next time. 
<laughs> yeah. Sorry to interrupt with that, but I was a little scared. No, you're all good, buddy. We we can't have yeah. an ear be lodged in your skull and for the rest I mean, of your it's life. Gonna, it's gonna come out. It's gonna be fine. I just have to do it afterwards. <laughs> Wait, um, it's still in there. Yeah, it's in there right now. It's stuck in there. It's like a, it, what like is it, the, the the rubber or the felt part? The rubber, yeah. You need to needle uh, those pliers. Yeah, I yeah, I have the tools tweezers. to get it out, but it's yeah, I'm kind of busy right now. You're powering busy? through okay. for the stallions. <laughs> well, I'm well talking, done, sir. I'm, I'm talking to you guys, and um, anyways, that was so strange. Like, of course, that would happen during this. It's all right. We had uh before we started recording, uh, we had some chipmunk voices as well going on from Joey, and yeah, I, I wish we were able to compare them both, but I... that was pretty funny just because these guys met. Like the first uh, impression of me was that was this I think the sample rate is like not matching or something on my on my interface and so my voice was pitched up. Jeff obviously it immediately very, recognized that it was, was like very silly. substantial. It was like it's it was definitely not it was not just it was not subtle. It was like very, maybe it sounded like I had helium and these guys were just like you guys did a really good job of not like laughing like oh wow this guy sounds ridiculous like that's so funny <laughs> we <laughs> had no clue <laughs> that was yeah. i mean that's what good hosts do i immediately would be like what's wrong with your weird voice and then like what that is your voice <laughs> i imagine it's it's similar to uh and obviously uh you know whatever not to, not to not to pick on him because he could just beat the living shit out of me but it's like if you saw Mike Tyson fight in his prime, but you never heard him talk, and then you interviewed him, like that first yeah. moment when he starts talking, you'd be like, "Oh, oh!" Like you'd have to really <laughs> throw you off because this guy that just like Is he brings me brings behemoths to the ground with his fists to start he, talking like this. <laughs> he, he's badass. He has tight. He has a pet tiger. He just brings with him. He brings with him. All, he flies with them. He puts. I mean, it's just, he's crazy. Honestly, like of. Hmm. When I go down like YouTube rabbit holes, uh, he probably accounts for like solid twenty percent. Let's like Mike look Tyson? at like yeah, like highlight reels of him just beating the shit out of oh, guys. Like yeah, I've never just seen him fight. It's like this guy, who dares get in the ring with this guy in his prime? I mean, <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> it's insane. Absolutely. <laughs> Joey, did you tell me about that movie? Nobody. Nobody. With, yes uh, with yeah. uh um yeah that's great did you watch it i, I haven't but uh it's just, you know just that's very up your alley very and mine too yeah like, uh the same guy that directed john wick did that i think so it's just a very like oh. great action uh brawling like you know brutal brawl uh movie for those who appreciate that that genre i feel like i grew up grew up with a lot of violent movies um and whatever i think i think they're great final moves rule <laughs> they are great yeah we are. right there's the stamp <laughs> yeah yeah there's something like beavis and butthead in this interview he finds is cool yeah pretty much <laughs> yeah the reign of kendo started by beavis and butthead um we're, yeah we're we're not very um we're we're uh we're not adults by any speak means. for yourself i'm a dad now i'm full adult <laughs> yeah can't argue with that <laughs> I, I, I can, you can there's plenty of dads that are I'm a still children too, but um but uh you know relatively speaking to my son who poops himself regularly i'm an adult yeah facts. You're much better than your son <laughs> at least i don't poop myself <laughs> is this interesting yeah is this, good material? Is this entertainment <laughs> absolutely is this a, yeah <laughs> 
hunted v hunted v all right so, so i to oh go ahead club i i was just gonna say so you you two are unique in that you are the two remaining founding members of kindo which means you've been on every single album every single song so i'm just curious what's the favorite your favorite album that you've made and then also give me like just like a handful of just like your favorite songs like doesn't have to be a certain number but just like ones where you're just like yeah that's a ripper well for me it's it's favorite album changes with the weather for sure but okay but but there's definitely a handful of songs that i find myself like really glad that we made um obsolete being one for sure obsolete's one of my favorite uh mine are always like kind of more like the oftentimes like the more delicate like delicate ones um flowers flowers by the moon don't haze me um those are two of my favorites. And um, let me think here. <sighs> well, we just had so many. Well, we think no, there really are a lot. No, um, I know there is. A... Yeah, I mean, because each album's is... got like 10 to 12 songs on it. So, I mean, it's a fairly big discography. Yeah. Catch the Gleam. I like that song. But also just depends on my, that also depends on my mood because Ken, my wife described Kendo's albums as like each album has like, 12 different very distinct personalities on it and i think that's like a good way to to frame it it's it's really yeah. uh, you know you got to find the tunes that really like hit you where you are um and of all like when i talk to fans so all all these different fans they like love different songs from each other you know there's obviously some there's some that there's some crossover nightingale tends to be one that a lot of people like moments in between hero saint tyrant terrorist uh you know so there's there's definitely some tunes that seem to congeal like the kendo bass but then there's people who like their favorite you know when i find a fan whose favorite song is don't haze me i know they're like my kind of person i'm like yeah yeah that's that's the way that, i'm on that is yeah. a good one that's probably not my top five but i do really You're enjoy not Joey's that type one kind of person <laughs> yeah <laughs> well yeah. i'm a drummer so i just i love the that songs sense. where steve is just ripping <laughs> yeah yeah and you i know, think that's that's part of it like a lot of our fans are musicians and, and you know when there used to be shows uh that didn't get canceled all the time um we would play and and there would be people up front like air drumming they would know steve's parts and it was always just like a riot to see uh that was a weird thing to to realize at first too um because to us we're just we're just playing music it's people like would you listen to kindle if you weren't in it and it's an impossible answer but it's definitely my favorite music to make that's joyce did that Mm -hmm. one and um so like when people are like they focus on musicianship a lot at first and like one of my favorite actually um reviews was like early on um can you swear on this podcast or no yeah yeah we have it marked as like not safe for kids you you say absolutely whatever you want i hate fucking kids too (laughs) except joey's Uh, yeah i haven't met him yet um but uh, so it, people are air drumming and it's um, they're experiencing Kindo and like they're or like dissecting bass parts and stuff. They're experiencing Kindo in a much different way than um, uh, it, it's we. It's wild because like I 
it's they're, like yeah they're there was this time of a period where I started noticing in the early like they're focused on like we're good musicians like that it was seriously the furthest thing from uh and of course now now I embrace I get why and I want to be better at my instrument but it was just a pure love for making music but the, the best review we've ever gotten and Joe you do you, you hope you have this somewhere it was alternative uh, press magazine oh it's even better um yeah. So it basically just it called our band musical masturbation. And <laughs> That's it was like not too far off. <laughs> well, here's the thing: like, who the hell is this person that thinks they're so important that they have to like? Who cares? It's not your type of music. It's like really a vindictive thing to say, which is why I like it. So weirdly, it's a weirdly like this person hates us for some reason. Um, I think that's a compliment. You don't? I think it was funny. I just liked I, it. I yeah. think it was semi-accurate. And I think that, uh, I think that it, you know, at the time, like a young, like bruised ego on the road would reads that and is, is like, is like, well, cause the, yeah, the rest of it was kind of disparaging it. So that's, that's probably why. Uh, oh, the the, uh, yeah. Yeah. The rest of the review, uh, he did not really, he, it was a review of rhythm chord and melody. He didn't like it. Um, what? but, it's but the thing is, is, you know, I'm reading, I'm reading it. And I remember feeling this way when I read that there is like, well, that's kind of mean, but I kind of see what he's saying. Like, I remember feeling that way. <laughs> it's, a, it's as if like, like we're doing some groundbreaking thing that no one's ever done. Like no one listens to Gen Genesis, the, the craziest weird stuff. It's unlistenable. Some of it. Mm -hmm. It's like, why are you picking us out? I think it's because like, um, we are at first because of the label 111 we we're around like pop punk sort of scene mm -hmm. and uh, and uh as if we didn't already feel alienated our whole lives now we were like clearly like in the wrong place and it was frustrating only to one angle because we just wanted to do this but it was funny it was definitely like here we are no one likes that we're here <laughs> i think that the thing with kendo is it, it's got that like it's got that the spirit it's got the energy of that like pop punk um attitude where it's just like well this is just what i want to do and so here it is who cares what you think kind of kind of uh kind of approach to it but it manifests very differently and, and it was definitely out of place alternative press magazine was not the right publication to get uh to get that record reviewed in but um but also like i think as blossoming musicians and, and writers and, and arrangers, you know, I I also wasn't completely closed off. I didn't feel like I knew exactly what I was doing anyway. So like reading that review, it's like, yeah, it's like, it's pretty mean, but also, you know, going back, it's like, yeah, I, I, could, I could see where some of this critique comes from. And in terms of like the musical masturbation part, we did just gratuitously like do what we wanted to, um, and and just threw shit against the wall and you know i'm not sorry it's fine you know like plenty of people like it it's not that maybe it's not for everyone and that's okay you know that's that was also our attitude when when making the music we made you know we weren't trying to conform to anything in particular other than what was really exciting for us to make and, and to play and so i think we captured that and um that one's music is polarizing at all is not a bad thing i'm you know i'm Oh, well, the, the best part of the story is that, you know, after the scathing review, 
our label guy then took out an ad in alternative press magazine and took snippets of the review <laughs> and and like out of context <laughs> to make it sound like he was praising the album and put so them great. in the ad that's so, great. so that's that was incredible such a, it was such a good move i was just i was uh, respect that's to brad funny. fischetti but yeah. our label guy who happens to be uh, brad fischetti of lfo uh light funky ones the boy band in the late 90s nice. um Solid like girls were ever crabby and fish. Chinese, Chinese food makes, makes me, me sick. sick. Yeah. Oh, yeah. what's that song? Steal my sunshine. I don't know if I know that one. No, no. I'm telling you, uh, never mind. I think it's a totally TV, different band. There's the no, girl you're singing TV. Summer Girls. I'm thinking yeah. of Steal My Sunshine by Len. Different band. <laughs> but very similar songs. All good. All good. That's hilarious. All right, so Joey, uh, we mentioned at the beginning that you get into like audio engineering and everything as well. And uh, Jeff, you mentioned your studio. Uh, so do you guys uh, produce everything uh, kind of in your own spaces? Do you mix it? Uh, what does that whole process look like? And how much are you guys doing that to an extent? Not really much of a process. It's, it's evolved. Like, it, yeah. It's evolved over the years. Um, we started out, we, you know, uh, I, I mixed and, and produced all the records, but we would rent other studios at first. I didn't always like, uh, and I would, we would do overdubs at my studio usually. So for like uh, the EP with the melody um, and this is what happens, you know, we would rent out, I think it was Audio Magic in Buffalo, New York. We would record drums and scratch tracks. And then we would, uh, a lot of the piano was recorded at, uh, at the church that Jeff and I grew up going to. I would bring a remote rig there and we'd record uh, Kelly on a real grand piano there. I was just such a stickler. Was for that recording what, a everything. rhythm chord melody? Was that was is that what we did for rhythm chord melody? Was that Evangel? Yeah, and then we went to the tab. We went to the tab, which was a different church that had another full concert grand, and I think that was where we recorded a lot of the piano for. This is what happens, as well as chunks of play with fire. Um, and then obviously as project studios became more ubiquitous, um, you know, in, the, in these latter phases, I had a studio in the Lower East Side be uh, before the pandemic hit. We recorded a lot of uh, a lot of stuff there um, that isn't released yet, um, but um, we would do often do overdubs at our own project studios. And that's just kind of, you know, as as the times have changed, our workflow has changed as our personnel has changed. Technology, um, too. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Um, you know, we. We've changed our process um, and admittedly, you know, as a producer, I've, I think I, I bore very easily. So I'm always, and as a writer, I'm always trying to like change that process or throw a wrench in it to see what happens. Cause yeah, I don't Joey's know. Joey's so talented that you'd be surprised at how the, the records sound the way that they do and how Joey got them to sound that way and where <laughs> Happen. they are so clean like there's no good. ambient noise or anything it's just like notes <laughs> yeah it's uh um yeah he's a he's a joey's a bona fide genius Confirmed. i know because i created him <laughs> I'm, i am jeffrey's product um, um kind words from jeffrey uh <laughs> no it's it's been weird it's been a weird like hodgepodge like so many different studios and so many different spaces are captured on those records. Um, and well, I was here too, right? In my apartment for, uh, this yeah, I mixed, I mixed a good and mixed and produced a good chunk of play with fire in the same apartment that Jeff's and I used to live in the apartment oh, of Jeffson. Fire, 
Okay. Uh, when I first moved to Brooklyn. Um, and yeah, then Jeff took it over and, um, now Jeff's got his studio there and, and over the pandemic, you know, we produced a lot of our recordings and like live in studio stuff, uh, live in, live in studio stuff, uh, from our homes, you know, separate, you know, the way music was meant to be made, uh, completely separate from other people. I actually just started learning, believe it or not, um, past year and a half. Um, I mean, I'm getting like fairly decent at it now and I'm seeing like, man, I wish I like, this is fun. I wish I, like, I could be good at this. Um, but, uh, especially like with the, this other project, the dead sages, it, he, uh, our writing partner, Charles lives in San Francisco. So we do everything remotely and Joey has produced, uh, in these tracks with us. Um, and from this tiny place in Astoria, but we're all, I was in Brooklyn, but I'm not going to go that far. I mean, so far away. <laughs> um, but we would do sessions like, um, you know, it's just interesting. It's just weird that like it, you hear like the dead sages stuff it's it's really good sounding and joey did a great job but all the basic tracks and stuff like they're right in this space with this microphone and it still blows my mind because it sounds so good um and it's like i almost sold this microphone because i bought it for like 75 bucks um damn it's amazing what you can do now with with project studios and that's a, you know, that's an advantage. I would say like, if there is a drawback to being able to do that, it is because it's always an option and it's always generally an economic option. Um, the incentive to get together in the same room at a studio decreases as project studios become just a much more sensible way to get a similar job done but experientially speaking it's completely different there's it's a different chemistry you know when you're in a room together you can kind of be there when things are unfolding together and uh it just happens differently um it feels differently um as you know as a creative process and so you know there's there's pros and cons just like anything else it we can produce more easily and for less money this way but we're also missing out on some of that camaraderie and and magic x factor chemistry that you would get when you're in a studio together just kind of cooking this two together you know what i mean so how how do you balance that now i guess because you know you said you're in bristol pennsylvania obviously jeffrey you're in brooklyn um and I guess, you know, I'm not sure where everyone else has posted up, but I'm assuming not all in the, you know, exact location. Like, how do you thread the needle needle of like getting that in-person time and then still also utilizing the remote production aspects? Well, the pandemic pretty much shut everything down for us. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, we're still in the ashes from that. So there's kind of no answer to that. Uh, we've just the been end, in survival mode. By the by, the end, we were doing those like uh, kind of like live in studio, well, live in studio kind of pandemic videos. All those videos separate. are awesome, by the way. Oh, I'm, go well, I'm glad. That's, yeah, that's really cool to hear because the videos were, they were, they are what first not, got me into you guys. They're the not ones fun to make. Way back saying? from the the videos, like the pandemic videos are awesome too, but the ones that are on like candy rat records oh, cool. youtube that's like oh, what those are first fun. got yeah, that, me into that's you different. guys yeah yeah those were a different experience altogether but like yeah by the, by the end before kind of things came to a halt for us um that 
that was the main way we really, the only way we could do anything. And, you know, mm -hmm. much to my chagrin and um, I know Jeff's as well. It was just like, never had we envisioned that's what this project would become like, just like, oh yeah. And, and obviously that has less to do with the project and more to do with the circumstances surrounding the world that we were living in at the time. Absolutely. But, you know, it was a, it was a, for me, it was a buzzkill. Uh, definitely. I think for Jeff, it was a buzzkill that that was the only way we were allowed to do it or that people felt comfortable doing yeah. it. Um, I think that was kind of part of the sort of existential meltdown that uh, came after that for myself was just kind of like, oh, is are all the things that were most important to me just gone forever now? Is that just it? Like, you know, what do I do now? Like, what? <laughs> why yeah, am like, i here right yeah. but before <laughs> that we were like like happy however after and then the uh all the songs patreon songs after that like we purposefully uh went away we uh booked airbnbs like these big houses and uh mm -hmm. for like a weekend and we would all go and we would the goal was to have three songs so like um or at least three ideas or, three or four ideas out. and then we would we would while we were there we would build the skeleton for it um mm -hmm. and you know because we're not flushing out the complete everything um but then the process after that would be like well like you know uh go record drums or uh i'll come in and do bass and we still we were seeing each other and those retreats were awesome um and now we have 18 songs that we from that that still have to see the light of day so yeah. we're talking like 2020 20 songs 20 songs 20 songs would you say 2020 like like is this time period like 2020 early 2021 we're talking, talking 2007 right after happy however after so it's so like 2019 earlier than that for some of them 2017 it's okay. i'm bad i'm bad with i'm bad with um like dates because to, uh happy ever after was released in 2018 right those yep. that, and that actually when we did patreon those the 10 songs that are on happy however after those are just the first songs we created for that record um so you still have did, songs from those sessions that we have, are we have, not 20, even out we have there. 20 we have 20 currently 20 unreleased songs two records Damn. worth two records yeah. worth and it's with and it's with that set of musicians it's not even with the current band no actually it's oh. with uh, within these 20 uh songs everyone with the exception of i think mike carroll is represented on those recordings everyone oh, yeah, that's right. ever been in kindo wow Very oh cool. so there there's like overlap it's a cool it's a the, cool the yeah. current crew and the old totally. crew totally that's yeah, sweet it's a cool <laughs> yeah. thing to have that's uh cool. But also, like a lot of those, it's been years, and you know, we have a group of guys that are the guys now, and it's tough for them to get pumped on tunes that they didn't have any hand in Very writing true. and they didn't play on it. Um, mm -hmm. and uh, and right, like, totally understand that too. Um, so we're there's just so much involved in that, and just two records worth of material to that also to joey and i we're i'm probably excited about all of them but like this is like you know eras ago in our life it's like it's like those are already records that have been on the shelf for a while right and then we want to write new music but we can't 
we want to finish these. We got to finish. Yeah. They're like anywhere from like seventy to eighty uh, percent tracked, or they're close to being the. It's just Joey's got to mix in stuff, add some strings and some uh, stuff like that. Um, and we're still in the process of figuring out what to do um, with that. It's a good position to be in, but uh, it's just absolutely it's a, it's a weird one, you know, like to. Uh, everyone's represent but the only people that are on all the songs are joey and i right so it's like uh naturally there are guys who have been on they're excited about those songs mm-hmm. and um i don't think kendall's has been on any of them so oh, he he's on write, he's on better off together right five of them i think is he really what yeah yeah he is really good i've seen him on the youtube videos but obviously you know steve was unhappy however after so i am very excited to hear him you know like on a full album uh you've heard it before who cares (laughs) (laughs) no it's cool there's some really cool stuff in there let's get into that too i guess so like the band now like you two are the only two from the original incarnation like what is it like i guess just playing with a totally new set of musicians well like, what are the challenges since... what are the benefits the challenge there are. The, the challenge is just like being able to get together at all since like the pandemic but back when it was before it was illegal to play together um it was it was really great I mean, I feel like the, the the shows were feeling good. The chemistry was gelling more and more. Uh, I was super pumped about the tours we were going to do. I just knew it was just going to be better and better. And then, uh, honestly, since things grinded to a halt in 2020, we haven't been in the same room. Uh, we just haven't. It's been not two once. years. Not, not, not like all of us. Yeah. Like we've wow, been together okay. in different capacities, but not as a group to we're do like disjointed music. as well right like candles in pennsylvania so like even when we were together it 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 was took a little bit of effort to make it happen so yeah um, yeah understandable i mean, always tried to run this like a band you know and, and gather gathering has always been an important piece of this to me and and i'm sure to jeff and man just things got so squirrely uh especially in the new york area like i don't know what the culture was like where you guys were but where we were like the idea like i felt like if i even wanted to express that i wanted to be together with people i would be viewed as a murderer you know what i mean like that it was like the culture was pretty extreme with over the pandemic like like uh, and you know whatever maybe i am selfish but i just didn't care i was just like oh you're not (laughs) (laughs) ohio was like you you didn't even know anything was different like we had to like maybe wear masks for like three months and then it was like we're done with this (laughs) yeah new york became uh, and and still is to a degree fearfully obsessed um and i'm not saying it's without any any reason whatsoever i don't think that was uh, a lot of reason i don't think good enough reasons to 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 carry on the way it carried on it's very extreme it's very extreme with their i mean it's a city too right it's very dense um but it's also but, uh, the empire city it's like and everyone was getting it anyways <laughs> no yeah. yeah no kidding man it was um, it was spreading like wildfire so many people and you got it and plenty of people got really sick um of course and i think like whatever that 
still processing that time. And and honestly, you know, this collection of unreleased songs is I've been marinating in it a lot lately and uh, going through the lyrical themes and realizing like some of it is like some of the tunes that I wrote lyrics to before the pandemic, like were oddly prophetic. Um, it's almost like I, I didn't know I saw like a lot of stuff coming. And then you read the lyrics that you wrote before it all happened. You're like, <laughs> oh, wow. Like, I that's crazy. Interesting. <laughs> that's weird um yeah. yeah it's but but it's also just kind of like the pandemic in new york city was an amplified version of i think a pathology that has infected uh infected those kinds of metropolitan areas in general there's a lot of group think there's a lot of uh, Everything's Kool-Aid. harder here in general too, right? It was it's harder to it, it pre-pandemic. It was harder to get together. It's harder to like it's just because it's a city and you got to like mm-hmm. rent a place. And um, but yeah, it. Um, I don't know what to do uh, with. Uh, we want to finish these songs, but like by time, like if it's already old news, some of them, and I but I love them, and it's but like, not what? to the fans. To the fans, the, the they'll be they'll be stoked. Yes, of course, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, really I hear you saying twenty songs. I'm like, okay, these two albums behind. You can hear me, them if you want. We can show them to you. I would love nothing more than that. I will send them to you. There, those. A, so they, I, I put them together all on a SoundCloud playlist for our our patrons. So don't share this with anyone unless they give us money first. I was gonna ask you about that. So I know y'all do Patreon and like Patreon like funds one song each month um so like are these songs from that yes yeah these are okay. all produced during the patreon era and kind of like how we framed it was like these are fancy demos and like jeff said they're they're mm-hmm. all at about like between 80 and 90 percent across the finish line um they just need a little bit of attention some a little bit more than others but um but yeah like bringing them to fruition uh for for like an official public release as an audio file like you know those mixes the mixes of all of them are kind of thrown together because i had to make a deadline you know uh and so i had to make a lot of compromises that are hard to listen to for me um Fair but enough. exercise though we we actually had a pretty good batting average um like mm-hmm. we it, it forced us to be prolific it doesn't mean it's good but uh it was yeah like happy however after with the first 10 songs we wrote um uh you know a song a month through patreon and we're like all right let's put them on a record and uh you know that's the way that happened that's so on that album are they sequenced in the order you made them no uh no okay. i don't not unhappy however after no. that would be crazy if human convention was the first one you did because to me like that that's a top five kendo song for me that Ooh, one that's just bumps one. that's a special moment yeah definitely in kendo writing uh that's actually a good question what was the first one of the patreon do you remember joey no it wasn't what was it human convention i think we were giving that away for free to sign as you signed up right well for let plug it so where where could people become a patreon supporter and what does it get you sure so at this point like you can go you can visit our website to get links to like all of our stuff if you go to patreon.com slash the reign of kindo that'll take you to our patreon page and essentially it's a member supported like record label where you're supporting kindo's 
production of new music as well as other things uh that money goes to help subsidize what will be used to subsidize things like live performances uh and things like that um music videos uh as well as like marketing and pushing our music out across many platforms so that's essentially how that works in terms of like perks um you know you'll kind of hear stuff first there you'll be kind of in the know of what we're up to um it's the first place we'll notify people of like what's going on we've kind of had um, different structures of it too um it, it's, it's kind of like it, essentially we can make it what we want but to make sense it, so you can tell this to your grandma and she'll understand and be able to to, don to donate money it's uh <laughs> you're basically just saying here's some money i like what you do and i want you to exist and i mm -hmm. want to support you and this pay patreon is the place to do that and it's co it's content based um so uh it you get charged when content is released i think you can also just do monthly as well yeah it's a monthly thing um but like you know however much it, it's less about like what you get and the perks and stuff because there's some cool stuff but honestly like uh, you know we have all these tracks many of our patrons i would say most maybe like 80 percent of or patients they haven't even heard these songs yet. they don't listen to them they have access I'll, to it but the, but yeah. the, a lot of them have explicitly been like i'm waiting for like the full album experience to drop that's what i want to experience I just, that's I'm just sort of how to... i am too yeah, like yeah. i totally get yeah. that <laughs> totally um, uh yeah and that's so that's kind of what is it? it's like our fans are not really like lukewarm i found when I meet Kindo fans, like they're all in. And so this is a place if you are one of those all in fans, and even if all you have is a dollar a month, it's a place where you can help us continue. Well, right now, put the pieces back together so we can get get back to the business of doing what we do best. But um, but also be a part of that community that makes it possible, especially as the music industry has changed so much, you know, physical CD sales and digital music sales. It's not really a thing anymore. Um, music has become more of like a marketing tool, um, which, you know, for me, that is the, that's like one of the, one of the main art forms. And so, uh, once the profitability went away for like creating high quality audio productions, as it's devalued over the years, we've come to rely on things like Patreon to continue doing this. Um, just cause there's not anywhere close to the return on investment, you know, even if your song, you know, our most streamed songs really at most over the course of like um i don't know 10 years uh some of our most streamed songs maybe produce like maybe a couple thousand dollars at most like you right split. check it out if you get a yeah. million plays on if you get a million plays on spotify that's really good million yeah. mm -hmm. uh you get about three thousand dollars in total damn you got to split that across all the time it took to get those million plays and yeah, across it, all it, the people who wrote that song if, yeah. it a, if it hit a million plays guaranteed it's a really yeah. it's got to be pretty quality They're probably need, it doesn't pay for shit yeah three thousand dollars maybe after like 10 years and a million streams like you you maybe paid for the recording expenses to like produce it but you haven't yeah. actually made any money on it and fuck the, and fuck the people fuck the spotify people who are like well we're doing a good thing we're it's like bringing the radio back and there's people are stopping like torrenting and stuff like no you are profiting off of other people's you are in your like you have like your offices and i'm a user of spotify so i mean but it's a tough situation they're making <laughs> money off of other people's work 
Well, te- I don't even know if technically they're making money. Like that's the thing. Yeah, I, they just, actually, well, some people are. They mm-hmm. post a loss every quarter on yeah. their earnings report. Oh, I get yeah. it. I get it. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, maybe they're moving the money around properly. Uh, you know, uh, it's a Ponzi scheme, Jerry. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Made up. <laughs> Anyways, that's just the state of things. Whatever. Like uh, we've been whining about this for a long time. Many musicians play- from our era have, and it's, it's, yeah. it is a problem. But Patreon is a great solution where you know anyone no matter you know if you got ten dollars to give us every month yo thank you so much awesome if you got one dollar thank you so much honestly that all means the world like whether you can give a lot or a little it all means a lot to us and and we do it for for those people um who have told us you know with their attention and their resources like you guys need to keep doing what you're doing and um you know we'll i'm sure we'll have plenty of announcements in the in the months to come about like what's going on uh, but things very much in their infancy right now jeff and i are in the process of kind of like negotiating the reboot of the project after about a year and a half of not releasing anything um so that's uh you know you catch us at an interesting time <laughs> also i got so there's one thing you said that i found very interesting and that was that physical media is like sort of gone by the wayside which I do, for the most part, agree with with one exception, vinyl. Sure. It seems like vinyl is sort of making a renaissance. Like record player sales are way up, record sales yeah. are up. So the I one guess the problem with that is that it's expensive to make. That's Very what I was going to ask: is mm-hmm. is like selling vinyls like a profit? Like, do you guys make decent money off that, or is that more just a marketing yeah. thing? Or so yeah, there's a lot I of mean, yeah. I'll, I'll speak to like the vinyl like manufacturing process this is where it gets complicated it's particularly for someone like me because like mm-hmm. i was expressing before i'm an audiophile and quality is really important to me i really like i really get irritated when something's not done well and vinyl is one of those mediums that you can cut a lot of corners and produce vinyl economically but your records will have more errors or the quality of of the master <laughs> will not sound as good might sound grainy Mm -hmm. or degraded and one of the promises of vinyl is you can actually get better than digital quality that's technically has an infinite resolution right the digital medium is binary you have ones and zeros that are that are there's notches of dynamics whereas in vinyl it's all fluid and seamless so is that what makes it really expensive though is that like is that the difference what makes it expensive is the manufacturing process versus mm. CDs. Like to manufacture CDs is actually relatively inexpensive and fully automatable. To manufacture vinyl, you actually mastering comes from uh, the the person who was cutting the master lacquer um, that was going to be used to create the presses and all the vinyl would be injected into. And depending on the skillfulness of that mastering engineer would really determine the quality of the product, the how it sounds. Um, and that is an art form that <coughs> is is coming back for sure um but there are a lot of very inexpensive alternatives um that can yield inexpensive uh results but also less than desirable um results you know i, yeah. I, I bought i bought an amy winehouse like reissue of back to black and you know it's kind of like grainy and 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 you yeah. know some people are like oh it's a vibe man it's like vintage <clears throat> vinyl but that's not who i am like 
I want like a, if you buy a, if you're spending money on like a physical, like Reign of Kindle vinyl, I want that to sound awesome. I want it to be one of the best sounding records in your record player. Um, and it is. Can confirm. It is. Yeah. So, so we did not spare any expenses. Like we had Scott Hall cut both masters. He's like, he's cut Snarky Puppies vinyls and he's been cutting great records. band. Amazing band. Yeah. They're they, awesome. They toured with Steely Dan this summer. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so Scott Hall's been doing cutting vinyls since like since before it became unpopular and now it's popular again. So he's like an OG mastering engineer. Um, the plant that you have it manufactured at matters how much um, you put into the artwork. You know, like when it comes to a physical medium, like we spend all this extra money on Happy However After and Reign of Kindle. Happy However After, you have a whole art book included in that vinyl. Um, mm -hmm. You know, and that stuff, I love that experiential stuff. It's like the whole point of owning physical media is to kind of be able to get immersed in these like physical objects. Um, so that's a long winded way of saying for us to do it the way that like, feels like it's maintaining the artistic integrity of of the project it's not necessarily many, yeah. cheap or like hyper profitable so like at most by the at the end of the day maybe a 50 percent profit margin um it can be which like more, cds Depends. you can do like um that's like 80 percent profit margin. yeah you can do like 80 percent plus uh, you know what yeah. i mean if that makes sense to put it into yeah. perspective so vinyls are definitely like and a move of break. passion they, you know, they, it's, yeah. <coughs> yeah, yeah. You, you're shipping them, they get dented or they overheat or they get warped or don't play properly. And you have to order shipping, like a thousand at a time when you do an order, right? To get right. a good yeah. price. So it's like the, the startup cost is uh, 10,000, it was $15,000, I believe, for um, Happy However After. We so, did a pre order campaign with Rhythm Chord and Melody that just kind of kept going south because of COVID. There were continuous delays at the plants and mm -hmm. uh just problems with like getting the artwork uh arranged properly um it's just a much more complicated manufacturing process so could we do it for cheaper and make it a more lucrative endeavor well sure you know we could print it on like not a, by much a, though so it wouldn't be worth it yeah yeah we could probably get that profit margin up to 60 or 70 percent um but you know we're charging a premium for the vinyl because we we really put a premium manufacturing process into it so that you have a and great product. our friends product. appreciate it. I mean, they, they did sell really, really well. The people that the people that like vinyls, they all bought them. Um, yeah. So I think that we, basically how we think about it is like we broke even for sure. And I can't tell people are buying CDs for like the novelty of it. They just want to, you know, it's another physical thing and it's generally inexpensive mm -hmm. to buy a CD at a show, um, which is fine, but it's also like, funny you know a lot of times people will give me cds and it's like i don't i don't you know, know i'm a dinosaur <laughs> and i still don't and now i'm like i don't know what to do with this like i stream everything too now so when we were on the road joey i think we told you this but when, uh, when kelly was on the band i'll be right back i'm gonna get some water tell him the yeah. story um right on. he uh uh he would he liked to drive a lot but yeah we, like him and i were just like i just goof we're all goofing around but uh, what we like to do is because we tour a lot and uh, other bands and they they like to give us their cd you want to do a cd swap and i hated doing that i'm like uh i don't want your cd i don't want your <laughs> cd but it's like a, so anyways by the end of tour you have like dozens and dozens and dozens of cds and we, we me and keller were talking he's like well what if we just like 
listen to a track or two and if it sucks we'll just throw it out the window while we're driving like okay. <laughs> so that's what we did we we're like we listened to everyone and and nothing there was none of them that were like this is cool uh <laughs> it was like oh god oh god and then we would throw it out the <laughs> we, were, we were kids um, <laughs> that yeah movie. that's yeah. incredible yeah i couldn't tell you the last time i listened to a cd like at least for me it's vinyl or streaming like i haven't listened to a cd in forever um but i guess so what i was getting at i guess with like that whole conversation and like it obviously sounds like you know your fans very well like they're either all in or they're like, you know, not in it's, there's not really many casuals or lukewarms, but like your Patreon subscribers, like they, they will love like, you know, your next release or whatever is like an album. You have 20 songs. Think about it. Like those two are 10 songs, 10 to 12 and they're double disc albums yeah, they, they have to be you, though because of the how long they're <laughs> well, no that that's a good thing like at least for me when i'm record shopping like two discs that's like give it to me you could put out a four disc album mm. how insane would that be <laughs> i i don't like those um but uh too I, long or well, too big or I just I'm impatient and there's I don't see the point. It would be cool to bat to do a massive compilation, but like uh like uh we're basically in an era like almost like in the singles, you know, like uh we're talking about Beatles, but early Beatles you'd record a single and then there'd be a B side. Um, yeah, yeah, the release, seven inches. So if you release like a four four disc record or one song, you get the same amount of hype. And then it's over. And then so like you wasted your this blood this blip where people are gonna pay attention um on on 40 songs. Uh, it's just not it doesn't make sense. I I do like the idea of like these works of art and putting it together, and that that definitely excites me. Um but uh yeah, I what I was just gonna say, I mean I missed I, the question. So I was talking about like you have 20 unreleased songs. Those two albums behind me are about 10 songs and they're two discs. So I was saying you could potentially make a four disc album. Yeah. Jeffrey was, uh, was saying too long. So it's funny you say that because part of this proposal I'm writing up to the guys is I've kind of like developed this entire concept for a 20 song album using these songs that takes you through a full arc. Um, and I'm pretty excited to present it to the guys. And I hate the I, idea already. <laughs> and I think like to what Jeff was saying, like, you know, I think we as as the times changed and we realized like, oh, yeah, uh, <clears throat> yeah, you're you get all this hype for doesn't matter how big the body of work is, you get the same amount of hype. Um, but then I find myself very much just feeling like highly rebellious against like changing my art based on they're also like, not ex mutually exclusive i don't think either right like you can yeah. still make the compilation you're just releasing it a bit at a time i it, i'm for stuff like that I, i'm for concept i mean that's what gets me excited i like stories i like i like that whole thing um but um you know there is a 
at a certain point it's like okay that's cool um then like how can we make is that make sense can i think it needs to just make artistic sense at the end of the day like you know on a on paper perhaps not as compelling from a numbers you're like well we could milk each of these songs a lot more if we just release every 20 singles no you know, that's like, not what I, i'm not saying i'm not saying, no, I'm not saying you're yeah. saying that but like logic would would dictate that like nowadays you know you hear in industry jargon people are just like yeah that's the way you should release me just singles man just keep doing singles and and uh i know i can speak for myself like i found part of my like my collapse um by the end of like well in the middle of the pandemic was I think I had finally like chased my final carrot of my final like industry trend carrot of just like, well, this is what the thing that makes sense to do now is and, and realizing like, yeah, that, yeah, but I just rather not do that. You know, it's like, it's, that's not <laughs> yeah. why I do this. Uh, and I, I don't, I don't want to play these games. These aren't the games I'm playing anymore. I don't want to play these and they're boring. It's so boring to me just chasing a new like trend of like how to release music. And don't get me wrong. Like there are creative ways to, follow trends and that's fine i'm not even demonizing overall i just found for me i was i was thinking with that first you know i found myself starting to think in this uninspired way of like okay well what's like the most like business efficient way to do this and then i was literally just like de uninspiring myself (laughs) by like thinking that way you know what it makes me think of like because i do have that mind where I, i i get excited if it does make like business sense i guess right but it's not my motivating factor really a big thing with like doing a compilation record is like or a record just a record is it's time consuming like if we're gonna make a record like all right uh we're gonna make this record now this is what we're doing we're all on board we're doing it because otherwise if it's just like well let's finish these songs and once they're all finished then you put them on a record and here we are two and a half years later right and uh Mm -hmm. uh uh, you know, I love the idea of a record like, you know, Melancholy and Infinite Sadness is a great double record. Didn't take them that long to make. Yeah, it did, but it didn't take them terribly long to make. They had a lot of money, right? They had a lot. Of, that's true. Big part. They were like, let's go make this thing. And they all went and made it. I love that. And we're in a position where we don't have that luxury. So like we're but that's what I really want. That's what, yeah. But if, if we, at some point, it, it's a lofty goal. That's not going to happen because I like things that happen, right. That actually like um, chip away at making something happen and how things happen are in, in just intention. Really. We want to make a record. Great. Let's go make a record. How are we going to go make it? Uh, let's, uh, let's drop the the board the concept for it like let's live this record like that's how it'd be for it you want to make a record cool joey i'm going to call you two or three times a day or, or a week uh fucking because i'm excited i got this idea for the record and then everyone's inspiration feeds off of each other because you're making a record cool and it changes you're, and then you add to this and then that is really the most exciting thing to be a part of um but it takes a lot to work to make it work it takes a lot of sacrifice time and money um which uh you know we are not uh afforded that do you guys have money can you give me some money give me some of that internet money Um, but that's really what it comes down to right like if we had 
you know, fucking a million dollars. Let's go make a record. Joe, uh, Miles is going to be fine for a month without you. Just give him some <laughs> money. He can sleep on the money. <laughs> make sure Kate will make sure he doesn't suffocate on it. But you see what I mean? Like all those, these uh, real world problems and things we have to deal with, we can say, oh, we're fucking that, fucking that offer right now because we got some money. I got $5,000 uh, to make a record. And yeah. so how do you do that without having that luxury? And it's a sacrifice. That's what, that's it. That's Gotta the only way, way it happens. You have to find another way. You know, we've never, it's been rare that we've been in a position where, uh, where things have been ideal, but I think that's also where good art comes from. And uh, yeah, like, like, well, we have these limitations to work within and you either work within them or you just don't do anything. <laughs> yeah. This is very interesting because I, I feel like you two have like two very sort of different perspectives on Mine's it. But like, well, you kind of need both, like, because if you only have one but side, for sure, of that... need mine for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's that's not uncommon. Here's what I'll say whether it's one disc, two discs, three discs, or four, I'll be buying it. <laughs> and that, and I think the rest of your fans will be saying the same. Um, yeah, because I, I appreciate that. I... No, it's 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 I I touched on it at the be way beginning of this, but you just said sacrifice, Jeff, and uh, your sacrifice has shown in your longevity. And I mean, again, as just a music listener and someone out there trying to consume new music, and again, I uh, so we have this playlist called the Stampede Shuffle. That's Clubs and I has about. I don't even know how many songs are up to at this point, but it's like over 4,000 like hours of music, but he's thrown all your songs on there. So it'll always yeah, show up. The entire me. Kendo discography is on there, except for the two eight bit albums and the Christmas EP. Those are the only two that aren't, but yeah. the first EP and then the four studio albums are all on it. Yeah. So That's it's cool. It's a white. Yeah, those are some of the early songs too. I'm going so this to forget. Thing I don't like... want to forget. What, can you type your email so I can send you this? soundcloud list before afterwards we don't talk forever and then i don't ever send it to you yeah we'll yeah it's follow up can yeah, i, can we, I we send will. it in this can i send it in this chat where people like see it i'm not sure we'll we'll email you after it and uh definitely okay. get that going yeah. but i don't i don't think we have a chat going honestly I mean, it's not live it's just recording uh, yeah, we'll, yeah we'll figure it out but all right so uh we have to do this every episode and it's the grand finale question that we ask every single one of our guests. Wait, okay. hold on. I have one more question before the grand. Oh, finale club has question. all the questions. Well, no, no. Cause this one, how, how have we not gotten to this? Yes. Yeah. So the band started off as reign of Kindo. Now it is just Kindo. Why was the reign of dropped off of the name? It's still there. It's just like, my name's Jeffrey Robert Jarvis jr. People call me Jarvis or Jeff. We we thought it would just be easier because one word and it mm -hmm. was in we released happy however however after like that. And I think pretty right away we're like, yeah, we're not gonna just stick to Kindo. It's it's, it's the reign of Kindo. It's it's everything. Okay. It's part part of it was a technical limitation as well, because the yeah. way the marketplace works digitally, you know, technically you are now releasing music under a whole a whole new name, um, which is generally like devastating uh in terms of like reaching your audience you know like yeah. you're you could change your social media profile stuff but when you go to search for spotify, the reign of kindo yeah. on spotify and then you start publishing music under a different name even if it's just kindo 
it's showing up as a totally different artist. Um, there was no way to reconcile those two. So technically, it is still the reign of Kindo. Um, okay. But like, like Jeff said, like when we're when we're ref- we've always just referred to it as Kindo internally for shorthand, mm-hmm. and so it's kind of just more like, yeah, look. <clears throat> If you're like trying to tell people about the band, you could tell like, yo, this band Kendo. Um, and then when they're going to look it up, you specify like it's the reign of Kendo. But when you're initially saying it, every time I tell someone like, oh, yeah, my band's called the reign of Kendo. They're like, what? And that's just like the worst yeah. response if you're trying to get someone to remember it's your confusing, band. confusing, yeah. It's very confusing. It's, so yeah. that, that the, all those reasons are kind of why we we refer to it as Kendo. But technically in the marketplace, it's still the reign of Kendo and in our hearts and souls. That makes sense because I remember so on Spotify, like when I first started listening to you guys, it was the reign of Kindo. And then for a time period, it switched and it was just Kindo. And then now, if you go on Spotify and look at it, it's the reign of Kindo again. So I wasn't sure. And we were just like, how can we make this confusing name more confusing? Yeah. <laughs> and a lot, of, yeah, a lot of it had to do with just how fast the industry changed, how fast the marketplaces like developed and evolved. You know, when we started doing this, you know, our our first stuff was like you could get it at Best Buy in a C, in a CD store, you know, and that was <laughs> that's mm-hmm. times have changed. Uh, so all of that was like it was a stabbing in the dark, trying trying different things. Ultimately. You know, uh, we were tired of people saying what every time we explained our band name, because uh, it was our fault for naming our band that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> we are definitely masochists in that regard. But um, but it is what it is now. We're just we're sticking with it. Very cool. All right. So back to what I was saying. Yeah, <laughs> this is the ultimate question, the stallions question. Mm. So and uh, both you guys can answer this uh, separately, but what is the most memorable unique like bizarre strange something that has stuck with you that you've seen at a concert whether it be at one of your concerts or someone else's that you've gone to and it could have happened to you or you could have seen it happen to like someone else or someone on stage well i can just recently what pops into my head was playing a gig recently and this wasn't with kendo this was with remember jones but there was this dude it must have been his birthday and his name was big moose and <laughs> he was in the audience this giant dude and he's definitely drunk and it was such a weird gig he takes his shirt off this is like in a beer garden we're playing at and this dude takes his <laughs> shirt off and he just starts like dancing and flipping the whole crowd off just like <laughs> he's at the front of the stage and it's like turning around smiling and then i swear like to each person in the band he was like smiling and would point at me and then give me the middle finger oh. with a big smile and like just kept doing that i want to be friends like, with him what is going on like eventually security removed him but like that's uh that's a recent memory of just like wow what what is going on here that's what hilarious was he having a good time do you think oh yeah he like... I, I feel like it was his birthday and he went there with his friends but then he got too drunk and his friends didn't want to deal with him and they left him and he's like well screw you guys i'm gonna have a good time and just started flipping everyone off of course off. he was having a good time his good time was becoming other people's problem yeah exactly yeah. which i like which i like to watch he succeeded yeah it was uh, i just love like odd characters that you know uh, there is a weird there's a weird place in my heart for like the borderline sociopath um what? you know not because i think <laughs> 
<laughs> well, this guy was a borderline sociopath. He's flipping oh. off everyone. He's like, oh, I see. I, you know I, what I, I mean? Got yeah, I mean, yeah. You're diagnosing um, him. Yeah. The I mean, reaction was hilarious. That, yeah, <laughs> that behavior was like so antisocial. And, and I find myself like drawn oddly to people who are like, whether it's by their own doing, uh, whatever reason, like, I'm just like, how did you become this way? <laughs> like, I'm just so curious. It's like, they also know? have a way of seeking you out and me as well. We have that same quality. Like, I think always... those we're curious. Like we don't, we don't repel them immediately. You know, we're not like, no, but there's also like a late, we're like, we're just like random people. And then they're like you, <laughs> it's like, what? Um, <laughs> Cause I don't know. They just know, probably know it would be, Oh, I'm, I would be like, uh, this is weird. Where's this going? Keep going. But yeah, it, I don't know. What's the worst that's going to happen? This sociopathic guy flips you off and kills you? He could have done it. I don't know. Who knows? Uh, um, a weird thing that happened on like during a concert? Uh, man, I don't... Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like at a, or, or it doesn't have to be like weird. It could just be like something memorable that yeah, is just like stuck in your head. There we'll was, never I, forget it. We made uh, Brazilian... Uh, cable news because uh a fan proposed to his uh wife on stage that was cool that was awesome i was gonna bring that up i'm glad you did very yeah cool. that was really special i went that was did she say yes back. she w did you... <laughs> she did say yes All yeah right. could you imagine yeah the headline <laughs> will be a little bit different yeah <laughs> what, do we have like a do we we were just probably assumed it'd be yes but she said no um Man, he gets that guy used to go on Steve's drum and have a drum solo or something. What would we do for him? I'll marry I you. I don't know. Yeah, that'd, that'd be a different. That's a different. That would have maybe like kill, killed the vibe at the show a little bit. But we, yeah, that's a tough recovery. Yeah, admittedly. I think it's, I think it's just in concerts are really cool and strange and and like you're you're whether you're performing or not, just like man, you're there's like way less people that you're looking at there's a lot of people looking at very little amount of people there are a couple of people are doing things that everyone is experiencing and um they think they're so important um now i like i i definitely feel um more comfortable on stage i know like i don't know um i don't like being in the crowd i hate crowds i feel that i feel that Unless they're giving away free milk, like they were at this uh, Asagiri Fest when we played in Japan, on on actually on Mount Fuji, literally on, they Damn. were giving away free milk because the farmers. That was cool. Yeah, it was cool. Very cool. I like Japan. What What are some bands that you guys listen to, like in your free time, like outside of Kendo? Hmm. Okay, I'm gonna put on open my Spotify. I'm just gonna look. What did I listen? I don't listen to a lot of music, but I'll, mainly, I listen to a lot of podcasts. Um, I just started listening to today to Rumors by Fleetwood Mac. But I didn't get too far. Oh, that's a classic album. Yeah, I'm not very familiar with it. Um, what else? Uh, I listened to treat. Abbey Road the other day. I was, uh, what? John Mayer. I love John Mayer. Yeah, I was supposed to see him in February, but he got COVID the day before the show. Oh, man. I did see so... him with Dead and Company, though, last oh, month. Oh, fun. That's fun. I would like to see that. I've been soaking in a lot of, like, R&B. Um, oh, yeah. BJ the Chicago Kid, you, you turn me on to that. That's really good stuff. 
Yeah, I like him. Lucky Day, I like a lot. And then through Lucky Day, I discovered this artist, Yeba, who John Mayer took on the road for a couple dates as well. She's just a, she's a singer's singer. She's just like a, a phenomenal vocalist, but also a wonderful songwriter, her music and arrangements. I mean, honestly, I think Kindle fans would love her because she just, she touches a lot of those buttons. It's very, mm -hmm. I don't know if you've like listened to any of her stuff, but it's Y-E-B-B-A. Um, okay. She's yeah, pretty. Yeba, Lucky Day, uh, kind of a, Yeba kind of is, multi-genre she's like r&b neo soul but also like she does a really beautiful rendition of john mayer's uh age of worry it's like one of the okay. coolest like it's a cool version of the song um check that out yeba's version of age of worry okay um she does it live at electric ladyland studios uh, she has a lot of cool like live videos she's she's like a freak vocalist it's it's she's really special um yeah that's kind of like that and uh just listening to like a lot of classics stevie wonder all the time oh, Lionel, he's Lionel awesome. richie <laughs> uh commodore's earth wind and fire i mean with with the, the coming of the boy um you know i've been like all right let's like let's just bust out like the good stuff um mm -hmm. so been raising gotta him. start them early <laughs> yeah no totally i was started early and so uh yeah oh that's veruca kind of salt has been on my list lately you guys you ever get into veruca salt yeah, that's like pure nineties. I I love like that nineties grunge. I mean, they're, I love they're everything. Fanta but... <laughs> they're fantastic. I was way way into Veruca Salt uh, um, back then, and uh, recently I, it holds up. I love it. And Louise Post, she just released a a, a solo album on Bandcamp that I bought for like eight bucks. That I'm kind of listening to, um, and. Uh, Man, there's just so much music. Um, I can't listen to it all. No, you can't, but you can appreciate it. And there's so much amazing music out there. So that's just some of it, you know, and, see yeah. where it takes you. And and, and, we're, <laughs> and we're living in the best day and age to be able to find that uh, hidden music that's out there. So it's true. It's I appreciate it. And the young, gener young generation of music makers are crushing it. They're, they're really bringing it. It's awesome. It's really cool to see. Oh, and uh, Michael Stein and uh, Kyle Dixon, the two guys, the the who write the Stranger Things score. I really like them Ooh. a lot. Um, they're they have a band called Survive. Um, okay. And the Duffer Brothers were fans of that of that. They asked them if they would try to do the music for this because they like their band. But they I love what they do. Um, there's something really special about it, and um. The Dead Sages is my favorite band. That's my new band. <laughs> Hell yeah. Band. yeah. Well, awesome, guys. Again, the Reign of Kendo, Jeff, Joey, I appreciate you guys very much. We both do for taking your time out of your week to come chat with us, Stallions. Uh, you guys have Thank been an absolute so pleasure. I appreciate you guys uh, inviting us. And uh, yeah, it's been great. It's getting to spend this time with you. Is there anything else that you guys want to plug or like mention before we sign out? Just pay attention. Uh, there's some cool stuff coming, coming down the pike. Uh, that's all. Beautiful. And we'll be excited yeah. to uh, see you guys live. And hopefully you're able to come over here in Ohio pretty soon. And because I know Klepp's itching for it and he's got me or he's giving me that itch and I'm ready to see you guys. Oh, and Akron, oh, yeah. the, hey, do you know, Hey, Monique? Those are our friends. They're really great. No, I'll check them out. Check, check yep. them out. I'm, I want to plug those guys. There's, yeah, they're so good. They're just hey, so. That's, they, yeah, they're so good. 
two brothers. Love it. I love new music. All right. Well, we'll do a little bit of a sign out. Everyone will just say their names. But my name is Spruce. Uh, I'm Jeff. Joey. I'm Clap. And this has been another episode of Vinyl Stallion. <laughs> <laughs>